I wasn't on no, no mountain. I wasn't up there. I was in the low place. I was in that gutter place. The blood reaches down to the lowest of the lowest. And that's where I was. And some of you understand what I'm saying. The blood. It never loses its power. It just keeps on reaching. It keeps on going. It keeps on flowing. And I thank God for that. Before I start, let us just have a word of prayer. Father, we're just thankful. We're thankful, Lord. Your word tells us that we are children of the living God. Oh, God, you rock us in your arms. No matter how old we are, we're still your children. We thank you today, God. No matter how bad we've been, we're still your children. A mother's love is a love like we nobody can describe, but your love is even greater. We thank you for your love, your loving kindness, which is better than life. And our lips praise you, and we glorify your name. Bless your word to your people this morning, this afternoon, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen. You may be seated. Thank God for you. Those that are here in the sanctuary, thank God for those on Facebook Live and Zoom. God is good all the time. God is good. Amen. I'm going to be with you for a few minutes. What time is it? You guys. Oh, okay. Somebody said I got all day. I'm not going to be with you longer than about three or four hours. Is that all right? Just kidding. Praise God. God is good all the time. And that's, that's, that's the good thing. And in spite of, in spite of what we might be going through, God is still good. I'm going to speak to you this morning in the book of Jeremiah to start with. We're going to be looking at the first chapter. We're going to look at the calling of Jeremiah to start with. And then we're going to jump over to the book of the second Kings. And before that, we'll spend a minute just to read a little bit in the book of, I think it's first Chronicles. Let's see. Second Chronicles chapter 34. But we're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to read the first 12 verses 
of Jeremiah, the call of Jeremiah. I'm reading in New Living, I believe. It says, these are the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests from the town of Anathoth and the land of Benjamin. The Lord first gave messages to Jeremiah during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. The Lord's messages continued throughout the reign of King Jehoiakim, Josiah's son, until the 11th year of the reign of King Zedekiah, another of Josiah's sons. In August of that 11th year, the people of Jerusalem were taken away as captives. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and, appro and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign God, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. For you must go whenever I, wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. This portion of it and the rest, there's more to come. Let me move this. Can you hear me? I got it on. I forgot I had it on. And just as an introduction to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, whose name means whom Jehovah has appointed. And we just read in verse 4 where it says, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you. So you see his name is in, is, is in response to what God is saying to him. I appointed you. And Jeremiah was the son, it says, of a priest, which meant that he should have become a priest. All priests, kids, their sons would become priests just like they were. But God calls him at the age of about 16 or 17 years old when, we, when he's read, we're reading this and tells him, I have appointed you not as priest, but as a prophet. And that's an interesting thing. But when you think about the times Jeremiah lived in, the offices of the priest, the priesthood was a sham. The priests were corrupt. They were having sex in the temple. They had the Asherah poles inside the temple of God. We're going to read a little bit about that. So God says the time for the priests is moved on because they're not doing their job anyway. They weren't doing their job because the people. This is not working. Pardon me. Can you hear me? Is that better? Yes? So far, so far? All right. If it goes down again, I may have to go to the other. So he's about 16 or 17 years old, and he's a young man. And God tells him, you're not going to be a priest. The priests are not doing their jobs anyway. And the priest's job is to what? To pray. It's to, it's to offer sacrifice. It's to be the mediators between God and men. But there came a time when the priests were not of value. They're not of use. So I, I'm going to the next step. The prophet, I need you to stop praying and start talking. There comes a point in time when we have to get off our knees and we have to move. We have to start doing things. And this is what's going on here. So he tells him, Jeremiah says to God, but I'm too young. I mean, anybody that's his age would have said the same thing. First of all, 
first of all, I was raised, I thought I was going to be a priest. All this time I'm expecting I'm going to work in the church. But now you're telling me I'm going to go do a, and I, I remember Moses said the same thing. I am not a good speaker. I don't want to talk. He says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about you, what you don't have. Worry about what I have. Don't worry about what you can't do because I can do what you can't do. Don't say what I didn't tell you to say. Don't say what I'm not saying. I'm saying go. I'm saying speak. And if I tell you you can, you can. And it's not in your strength. It's in mine. The same thing he did with what? Uh, Gideon. Gideon was hiding. And God goes to Gideon and says what? You mighty man of valor. Because God sees not what you see in yourself. He sees the potential that he's going to place in you. And this is a message for the youth this morning, this afternoon. Those of you that are young or those of you that think they are young or, you know, young at heart, this is for you. So in other words, this is for all of us. And let's think about it. God says that we are what? We are his children. Not, not, it has nothing to do with your age. It has to do with your need. We need help. We need him. We need him to feed us. We need him to lead us. So we're all children. 1 John 2 and 14 says, I've written to you young men because you're what? Strong. So he chooses. He didn't wait until he got older to use him. This is a message for the youth because we got our youth. And, you know, we're losing our youth. We're, we're losing them. We're losing them to the ways of the world. We're, least, we're losing them to Satan and his, it's that one. Pardon us, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty here. All this time coming up here, I never thought to turn it my way. <clears throat> so, a young man who is supposed to be a priest is chosen by God to be a prophet, a speaker, a spokesperson, a, a mouthpiece. John the Baptist said the same thing. He says, I'm just what? A voice of one what? Crying in the wilderness. Crying. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And he wept because of the, he loved his people. And he saw what God saw. God saw the inevitability of destruction. He saw the inevitability of punishment for sin. Sin has repercussions. This is a message for the youth. And it's for the, those that raise youth. That means all of us. 
all of us that are not so young in age that have children and grandchildren. Our children and grandchildren are being sucked away by our devices, by the music, by the sports. This country used to be called a Christian nation. It's not anymore, if it ever was. This, ha- this country has many gods. How many of you know that there are gods on television on the, that walk running down the basketball court? These are gods. They're on the parking lots. They, 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 they're shiny and they roll smoothly and fastly down the highways. These are, these are idols. Sports figures, movie stars. The, the, what they got, the, the housewives of uh, whatever, Beverly, whatever. These are, these are idols. And what they do, they draw us away from God. They distract us from what's real. The, the, I used, for an example, Las Vegas. When you drive down Las, the, that, you know, you, you drive down the freeway, when you hit, hit Las Vegas at the end of the night, what do you see? Lights and flashing. Artificial substitutes for the true light which is what Jesus Christ and he tells us what you are the light of the world why because these artificial lights are not doing anything but distracting they're getting our attention off what's what's real off the off the true the true light and off a of true life but I want to I want to show you two people I want to show you a young man who was a prophet and I want to show you a young man who's a king. The king is ruling at the same time this prophet is prophesying. And they're both coming to the same conclusion about God. And they both know that we were in perilous times. <clears throat> I'm going to read the next three, uh, four verses of Jeremiah in that same chapter, chapter 1. It says in verses 9 through 12. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. Not over the temple. Not over the tabernacle. I'm giving you a bigger assignment. It's over the nations and over the people. Why? Verse 10 or verse 11. It says, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, and to build and to plant. We're going to focus on those those six ideas, to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, to build, and and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. I think this must have been amplified. I must be using amplified. I'm actively watching over my word to fulfill it. That word almond, he didn't use that almond tree haphazardly or accidentally or for nothing. The word for almond is the word shakad. And that word means to be alert, to be awake, and to watch. And what did he just say? 
He says, I'm actively watching over my word to perform it. That's why he showed them the vision of the almond tree. I'm watching over my word to perform it. As an introduction to the next part, we're going to jump into 2 Chronicles now, chapter 34. Josiah, you know what I didn't read is the beginning of the chapter, did I? I did not do that. I should have. Jeremiah. Did I start with verse 1? I sure did. I sure did. I sure did. You know what I didn't? Well, let me see. No, no, no. It was it was that the, the, the verse that sh- tells us what how old he was. Because did I read that? No, 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 no. When he was called, he was eight. Jeremiah was eight years old when he became, or when God called him. No, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the wrong one. Okay, okay. Here I am. Okay, never mind. Forget that. So Jeremiah was sixteen. He's about 16 or 17 years old. Here we have a king now. This is Josiah. And that's what I wanted to read in 2 Chronicles 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, Josiah was 8 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. We were talking about David and power this morning. And it's so interesting when we read what David didn't do right. And yet, all the kings were compared to David. But this king is going to be unique, even compared to David. We'll see. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. Then, and so here he is, 16 years old. Then in the twelfth year, he began, so now he'll be 20 years old. Then in the twelfth year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles, and the carved idols and cast images. These were things that were put into the temple of God. And that's what I want to kind of look at. Because where Jeremiah was told by God to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant, we're going to see where uh, uh, Josiah did the very things in the kingdom, in the temple, what Jeremiah was told that he was going to do. And keep in mind, these two young, one young prophet and one young king, are Jeremiah's ministering at the same time that Josiah is the king, and they probably don't even know each other. What am I talking about? One God. One spirit. This is, this is where we are today. One God. One faith, one spirit, one baptism, one God. Okay, so I'm going to start in 23. I'm going to be skipping about, I'm not skipping about, but I'm going to be jumping. And I'm not going to read whole verses. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's too long. But the, ver- the, the 23rd chapter is where I'm going to focus. But I'm going to read now verses 5 and 24. You can write these down or you can just read the whole chapter. <clears throat> Verse 5 says, now we're talking about the first one of Jeremiah's uh, uh, focuses. He says, to root out. Verse 5 of 23. He says, he did away with the idolatrous priests. If you're going to root out the evil in the land, you've got to start with the leaders that are, if, that are perpetrating 
the, the, the evil. He says he did away with the idolatrous priests and also got rid of, this is verse, let's see, yeah, this is verse 24, and also got rid of the mediums and the psychics and the household gods, the idols. Mediums and psychics. I know you guys have heard these people come on TV and these mediums and these psychic net networks. Stay away from that stuff in astrology and all that. Stay away from it. Root out. You got to root it out. Pull down and destroy. Verses. Now I'm going to use verse 6, verse 8, verse 11, and verse 12. Verse 6 says, he removed the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple. What was the Asherah pole doing in the temple? And ground the ashes of the pole to dust. This man was about, he was taking care of business. He took the pole out, he ground it to dust, destroyed the shrines, burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. These are God's people worshiping the sun. He burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. So he did, so he burned the chariots dedicated to the sun, and it says in verse 12, destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built. Manasseh, if you don't know him, was it was Josiah's grandfather. He was the worst king that ever came along. And you should read the story of Manasseh because Manasseh should never have ha- This should never have happened. Manasseh was, shouldn't have even been born. This was Hezekiah's son when God was supposed to take Hezekiah and Hezekiah lived 15 more years. Manasseh was born during that 15 years. He shouldn't have been born. If he hadn't been born, he would not have been here. And he was the worst king that ever came along. In both kingdoms, north and south. Now that's saying something. The northern king had tw- the northern kingdom had 21 kings. All, all of them were bad. The southern kingdom of Judah had 21 kings. And all of them were bad except nine of them. Nine of them were good. Josiah is the last of the good kings. When he goes, there's no more good kings. He has three sons and a grandson who will be kings after him, and none of them were good. His father was bad. His grandfather was bad. Pull down and destroy. So he removes these things in the, in, the, in the temple. Verse 15, the throw down. He says the throw down. The king also tore down the pagan shrine that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had made when he caused Israel to sin. He says, to build. So now that you've gotten rid of all the stuff, you, you've torn down, you've thrown down, you've uprooted, now it's time to build and to plant. Verse 23 says, or verse 2, I should say. <clears throat> We're still in chapter 23 of Second Kings. Verse 2 says, And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. Now here's what happens because we're talking about building now. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant because they found the, where do you think they found the book of the covenant? In the temple. You found it in the temple? How could it be hidden in the temple? How can the word of God be hidden in the, in the, word, in the, in the place of God? What kind of things were going on here? 
this is what Jeremiah, this is why he is called the weeping prophet, because there are things about to happen to this country and these people that are just, they're horrible, they're terrible, because of what? Sin. So to build, you start the building process by reading word, the word of God. Speaking the word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. And then finally, to plant. King Josiah, verse 21, same, same chapter. says, King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover. They had a temple. They had the priests. They were not celebrating the Passover. They were not doing it. He says, you must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in this book of the covenant. By reading the book, they found out what they needed to do to do the right thing. So you see, the opportunity for revival is here. But the hearts of the people were still the same. Young Jeremiah and Josiah were young people ministering to the people as best they could. This whole story reminds me of a physician, a a surgeon in a hospital whose patient is deathly ill. Who He's done the surgery and now it's a waiting game. He's just watching. He's injecting. He's giving all the medications and all the things that that person needs. But that doctor knows this patient's not going to make it. But he's doing everything he can. If you remember Jesus, when, when you know Jesus had twelve disciples, and he says one of them is a devil, right? Judas, and you know what he did to Judas? He 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 did everything. He gave Judas every opportunity, but Judas was a thief, even to the point where Judas turns him in. He said, "The one I kiss is the one you need." And then when he kissed Jesus, Jesus says to him, friend, you betray me with a kiss. And the thing about that, that whole thing was prophesied in the psalm. He says that my own familiar friend who broke bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. But this is a message of exhortation. This is a message for the youth. You have two young men in times of peril, in times of darkness, that are yet going forth for the Lord. So what is it, it, this is an exhortation for us, for our children and for our grandchildren, so that the world doesn't take our kids. This world is trying to take our kids. The devil wants our kids. We have to root out wickedness, root out selfishness. Root out unforgiveness and bitterness and hate and violence. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 talks about the root of bitterness. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So we need to root out. We need to pull down, as God told Jeremiah. Pull down what? Our idols. And the number one idol we need to really pull down is me. It's self. 
Philippians 2 and 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. Consider others more important than yourselves. Micah 6.8 tells us, he has shown you, O God, O man, what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly? Love mercy, walk humbly with your God. So we need to root out, we need to pull down, and we need to destroy. It's interesting, 1 John 3, 8, the second part says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He came to save us, but he also came to destroy the works of the devil. And what do we get to do? Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Expose the deep, dark things of this world. We need to destroy. And we need to expose. How do we expose? Matthew 5.16 says what? Let your light so shine before men that others might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Shine the light. When you shine light in dark places, you expose the darkness. You expose the evil. Throw down. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Why? This is the battlefield right here. This is where the devil gets into you, gets into your life. He gets into your life through the battlefield of the mind. So we have to throw down. Hebrews 11. We have to build in the plant, right? Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily. We're building. We have to build up one another. We have to encourage one another. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So we have to build, and then we have to plant. We plant seeds of life. Somebody said, plant a seed, sow a life. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is what? Is love. This is why he told us, he told us what? Love the Lord thy God with all of life. They soul, strength, and mind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Then he tells them what? Love one another. A new commandment, he says, I give to you. When we do this communion this morning, it was during that last supper at communion when he told them, I give a new commandment to you to love one another. Ephesians 4.32 says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness. Aren't you glad you're forgiven today? Oh, my God, I'm so glad. Oh, my God, what I've done. I don't know. You haven't done what I've done. I'm thankful for forgiveness. I I thank God for forgiveness. Young leaders serving in evil days. I'm going to give you a few exhortations from 
Paul to Timothy, from the aged to the timid. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. This is Paul talking to a young Timothy who would be a young evangelist who was being a little bit t intimidated by those that were older than him or those that didn't want to hear what he had to say. And Paul says, know this, in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I think this is New King James. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, that sounds familiar, despisers of good, <coughs> traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, we know that very well. We see that every day, don't we? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this is the one, having a form of godliness. I'm a good person. God knows my heart. That's one of those things that really irks me when people say that. Of course he knows your heart. He's God. What does that mean? What do you say? Why are you saying that? God knows my heart. That means you can do what you want to do and, you can, and God doesn't care? No, God, God doesn't change is what you really need to understand. God does not change. The same thing that was wrong yesterday is going to be wrong tomorrow, and it's wrong now. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such turn away, denying its power. It's power to change. People will tell you that God is not of any value. He doesn't do anything. And they said it in the Bible. They're saying the same thing today. He just sits up there. He doesn't do anything. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, which means when they want to hear it and when they don't want to hear it. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. And teaching. For the time will come. This is the one I want to get to. This verse right here. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear it. Because the truth will, 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 will not allow them to continue in their lifestyle. They have their own lifestyle and they're good with it. I'm good. I don't need God. I'm good. This is, this is what the enemy does. This is what the devil does. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's an accuser. Right? This is what he does. He, he's the God of this world. And the God of this world has done what? He's blinded the minds of them that don't believe. Selfishness. Self. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned away aside to fables. Itching ears. You follow after people that 
say what you want to hear. See, th this is the thing about the word of God. The word of God is not always supposed to just make you feel good. The word of God every now and then should prick your heart. It should say to you, I'm, maybe I need to fix this. I'm not quite there. Paul said the same thing. He says, I have not apprehended yet. I'm not there. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Young man, young woman, fulfill your ministry. Parents and grandparents, encourage your children and grandchildren to fulfill their ministry, to do what God called them to do. <coughs> Encourage them to get to know God. Encourage them to, to let them know that God is real and God is good. Don't let the devil, don't let this world take your kids. We talked about this this morning in Power Hour. What will your legacy be? Of all the things you should wish for your children, of course we wish them the best life. Of course we want them to be educated. We want them to have a good house, a good car, a good marriage. All those things are important and they're good. But our number one thing for our children, and this is what I pray. I pray for all of you that are here, and I pray for your children and your families, that your children be saved. That your children know God. That's what's important. That's the main thing. What did uh, uh, Job say? He said, let us come to the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Was that Ecclesiastes? Or was that? that was Ecclesiastes, not Job. That was Ecclesiastes, last, verse, last uh, chapter of Ecclesiastes. This was Solomon. We were talking about David this morning, and we are talking about the legacy that he left with Solomon. Solomon was what the Bible calls the wisest man that ever lived, but that man went through some stuff. Why? Because his daddy did. He did what his daddy did on exponential, exponentially. So the legacy we leave, we have to leave a legacy of faith with our kids. Our God is awesome. He doesn't just see what we see. He doesn't just see what we look like. He sees what we can be. He sees what we will be. This is the God we serve. Don't worry about what you don't think you can do or don't think you have. You don't have enough. He, you know, Jeremiah says, I'm too young. Moses says, I don't know how to talk good. Mary was, was a little young girl who said, I've never known a man. But God says what? I got this. I'm God. And somebody said, there's none like him in the earth and in heaven. There's none like him. There's none beside him. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Young people, young men, young women, give your life to the Lord. Give him a chance. Amen. God bless you. Praise God. As we get ready to 
move on to the next part of the service. We get ready for communion. If there's prayers, uh, you may have been able to put them in the chat. And if not, we're going to pray as we get ready to commence and proceed on. God bless you this afternoon.